So I'm going to be bad about not wanting to do, like, what you call it? Just, like, sidetracking off of the movie because I love this movie so much. I'm just going to want to talk about it. So that's going to fall on your shoulders some today. Okay, yeah. All right. Ooh, so I'll play the role of the mirror who's trying to, like, distract you. Yes. From talking about the don't don't talk about the mirror. Don't think about the mirror. Every every time I talk to specifically about the mirror, you try to distract me to something else. Just put on like a, a dog shot collar or something. <laughs> Pavlov's mirror. I just start like I walk over to the corner of the room and just Blair Witch in the corner for a minute. Oh no. <laughs> that movie scared me to death what Blair Witch yeah when I watched it the first time as a child oh yeah the first time seeing it it's really good that has to be one of the earliest I don't know about film especially about horror but that has to be one of the earliest like pretend to be live action films the whole uh mockumentary found found footage yeah exactly it it wasn't the first found footage because i've seen the quote-unquote first found footage movie which was made a few years before blair witch that one wasn't quite as good and i think it does still have some shots that aren't part of the quote-unquote found footage Mm -hmm. whereas blair witch like so the blair witch project It wasn't just the movie. That was the thing is like they went above and beyond to try and make it seem as realistic as possible. They had an entire crazy like Internet campaign to talk about the movie before they had any commercials or movie buzz about Mm -hmm. it going. So like they had this whole website of the Blair Witch Project documentary and with still photos and like bios on the people in the movie and yeah like it's this entire crazy thing so when the movie finally came out it took forever for people to figure out that it wasn't an actual documentary or a real story (laughs) yeah i heard they too um they did some like psychological stuff too i'm not sure if that's true or not like keeping people separated or preventing them from sleeping stuff like that yeah the director fucked with them hard so he basically told them like hey look we have a really loose script that we're gonna follow but we're actually gonna go camping in the woods for like a long weekend and we'll shoot it the whole time we're out there in the woods so it'll feel really natural and you know we'll still be able to like do multiple cut multiple takes and stuff like that but then when they got out in the woods he wouldn't tell them that he was going to shoot a fucking scene in the middle of the night and wait for them to fall asleep and then wake their asses up and start filming. (laughs) Jesus Christ. There's a scene where they're like in the tents and they hear crazy shit outside and like Mm. some someone or something is like outside hitting the tents and cutting open the tents and shit Mm. and they weren't ready for that at all so their reactions are genuine (laughs) and they just got woken up so that would get someone shot (laughs) right me or you were in that vicinity My my favorite part of the entire Blair Witch Project movie is there's a scene on like day three 
of their camping trip or something like that where they're walking through the woods and they're lost. The characters are fighting with each other about being lost and all this stuff, but that fight is actually real because the director just kept leading them in circles and they didn't realize it. <laughs> he kept shit. telling them that they were going to be going to a certain place and kept leading them in circles. So, like, the actress is pissed and she's yelling at the guy with the map and she's like, <laughs> She's like, we've already fucking been here three times. <laughs> oh my god, that is awesome! <laughs> that is so great, fantastic behind the scenes. So uh, you know, uh, today we're going to talk about the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Welcome back to Real Specific! It's October, I'm excited. I'm here with my friend. Hey, I'm Klaus. It's October Fest. Oh! Yes, let's do this. If you've never listened to Real Specific before and you're just here for the ooky spooky tales, we are the podcast that every month picks a very specific subgenre of movie and dives into a few examples of it. This month, for October, we're doing haunted item horror movies fuck yeah fucking love this shit this week it's oculus 2013 directed by mike flanagan that's right i brought him back klaus we already did one mike flanagan movie we're doing another one i'm sensing a theme that mike flanagan is gonna be at least once every other month i mean i hope not because I mean, I, I do like Mike Flanagan a little too much. I understand this. But also, he makes good fucking horror movies, so... <laughs> hey, what are you gonna do? First, let me go ahead and say, this is a very good horror movie. It's one of my recent favorites over the past few years. I think I found it like four or five years ago, and I've seen it almost 10 or 12 times now. Literally just finished watching it for the episode, like, 30 minutes ago. I'm going hard for this one. If you do not want this movie spoiled for you, stop the podcast. Go watch it. Listen to us afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend that because not knowing what this movie fully is going in is pretty key. And and not to endorse the shit out of this movie, but I am a person that does not like horror movies. Uh, but I've seen this twice and I do enjoy it. You hear that, folks? Go. Watch it. I'm going to give you a quick 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And we're starting now. So if you're still listening, it's too late. You're trapped. The curse is already taking hold. So Klaus, you want to get me into this cold open? Because it's a horror movie and that means cold open time. I would love to crack into a cold open with the boys, watching the boys on Amazon Prime. But what... What about the themes of this subgenre? What do you think we're going to see? Yes, I almost forgot uh, our themes for this month. So, ooh, haunted item horror. I mean, you're going to have your general horror tropes, I would imagine. You know, it's, it's going to be dark and shady a lot of the time. There's going to be some running and frantic screaming. Hopefully some good camera work following people through hallways and things of that nature. You know what? Let me look at our movie list again real quick. 
because that'll give me a little bit better idea of uh, what our themes are going to end up being. Something I was thinking is like, what kind of item is it? Is this a small carryable? Is something big? Why is it haunted? How is it haunted? How does it manifest? Faced? Yeah, that that is manifest. <laughs> yeah, that that is going to be key. Just as a heads up, so for our four movies this month, I specifically decided to stay away from like haunted dolls because I feel like that's almost a subgenre of its own. There's so many of them now. On top of that, I want to keep this month spooky but fun. So cuz I I think October should be a lot more fun. And also you're going to have people who don't normally watch horror movies or who don't like horror movies as much watching more horror. So we've tried to keep it fun while keeping it spooky looking at our movies not a whole lot of like small carryable haunted items i'll put it that way and once again these are not haunted houses that's a different fucking thing so keep that in mind oculus here we're going to be talking about a giant haunted mirror which you find out very quickly in the movie our next one you know what fuck it i'm gonna I'm going to give slight spoilers for what movies are coming up without actually saying what the movies are. Our next one, The Haunted Item, is a diary from a... From Harry Potter. You can say it. <laughs> oh, God. It's Tom Riddle's. Is that his Fuck. name? Tom Riddle? We're, we're not getting into Harry Potter again. Voldemort's <laughs> Diary. <laughs> we did it, it too much item. last month, Klaus. It's over. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, no. Yeah, the next one is actually a cursed diary uh, of a little girl, so get ready for that. Our third one is a literal tire, <laughs> a, a car tire, and our fourth one is a refrigerator. Yeah, go ahead and make that joke. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> So Klaus came up with this joke, but he won't touch no, it, so no, I will. No, no, cut this. Cut this editor. Cut this out. Delete that's, this entire episode. That's right. That's right, Klaus. <laughs> the uh, the Haunted Diary is Anne Frank's diary. I don't know. <laughs> haunted with the souls of six million Jews. Do you feel better? Do you feel good about this? You did this. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad. I didn't say it. I still haven't said it. I don't admit to nothing. Uh, I can take screenshots of the Discord. It's fine. Um, oh, shit. How do I delete this? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so we've got a mirror, a diary, a literal car tire, and a refrigerator that are all haunted this month. That If that kind of gives you an idea. As far as themes, though, I think we're going to see that we're, we're going to have to decide whether... It's more of a psychological thing. Like, is it actually the item or is it more in the people's heads? Mm. You know, I think we're going to play with that a little bit. We're going to have to see how supernatural everything is throughout. That's going to be a pretty big theme. Thinking, too, is is how is it presumably killing directly? Is it doing it or is it kind of indirectly controlling people or other things to do it? Uh, might mm. be something to keep an eye on, too. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, we're we're going to have to see what other normal horror movie tropes we have. You know, is it internal family strife? 
Is it your classic teenagers or college kids out in the woods? Is it what kind of shit are we dealing with as far as that goes? Mm-hmm. I can already say one of the movies on this list is going to be an outlier for sure. And I'm not sure how much of our audience is going to have seen that movie before because it's pretty small. But we'll see. We'll see. Any, any other big tropes you can think of? I, not really. No. The over the overarching kind of idea of Oculus is there's a mirror. It's haunted. It gets introduced to a family. Bad shit happens. And then later, I don't know, 10 years later or something, the kids, brother and sister, their parents die, which you will see throughout the movie how that happens. And uh, the brother gets out of a psych facility of some sort and they try to confront the mirror again and horrible things ensue. So the cold opening, as I remember, starts in the psych ward. Is that right? No, our cold open is actually the the younger version of our two main characters hiding in the bathroom. Kaylee, who is going to be our or one of our two main characters throughout this, the adult version played by Karen Gillian, and the little girl version of her played by Annalise Basso. They're hiding in the bathroom. Little Kaylee's peeking through the d- crack in the door, and she sees her father walking down the hallway carrying a gun going back to his master bedroom. And then the kids open the door and they're running out. They get down into their father's office where this big, beautiful mirror is hanging with this really nice, dark, finished wood frame big-ass mirror, and they're trying to break the mirror with some golf clubs. Father walks in, has the gun up, and then the father changes into what you will come to learn is the grown-up version of the little brother holding the gun, and he pulls the trigger. It was a dream sequence. Normally, I would hate this, right? Mm-hmm. You've all heard me talk about cold opens and dream sequences way too much at this point, if you've been listening to the podcast. But to quickly retread some water, as far as cold opens and dream sequences go, this one works. It works really good because we are seeing something we will see later in the movie, but because it is technically a dream sequence, it is different. And it also immediately informs us of our brother character, Tim. So it cuts to present day and he is explaining this dream to his psychiatrist. His psychiatrist basically saying, hey, you're finally taking responsibility for what you did as a child. You're finally integrating these memories. I think you're good to go. And I think you can finally be released from this psych hospital on your 21st birthday. And there, there's something I'm thinking about now. I don't know how intentional this was, but he says about the dream, it was the first time he had a dream where he, it was him who pulled the trigger, um, implying it was someone else before. And if you'll think about later in the movie, when we get that kind of flashback to the original gun pulling the trigger, and I won't, I won't get say it, but also think about the kill that comes at the end of the movie in present day. Think about who is actually quote unquote pulling the trigger, who is causing it. And is it Tim this time definitively and can't, you know, the responsibility is solely on him this time. I don't know how intentional that was, but it, it felt good once I thought about that. If I know Mike Flanagan, it's very intentional. He, once again, we talked about, uh, when was this, uh, August? August, we did a series on uh, invading the homes of the disabled horror movies, and we 
covered Hush 2016, also directed by Mike Flanagan. If you like horror, go back to that month's set of episodes. Go listen to those. Hush, we went through and we talked about the dominoes that Mike Flanagan and his wife set up in that screenplay. And when they tumble and they all are set up and they all tumble, there's not a missing one in there that I can remember. And once again, Mike Flanagan shows with this screenplay, he is all about that shit. He knows if I'm going to use something later, I am going to set it up as early as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. There's so many dominoes I have notes of right here that are just perfect. Yeah, and and in general, something I had in my notes very early on that I just kept emphasizing as I kept watching that has to do with the dream sequence a little bit is the transitions between past and present occur frequently throughout the movie and they ramp up their kind of overlapping as we go through the movie and I think they are done flawlessly. I almost want to go through with a stop with two stopwatches and see from beginning to end I'm gonna hit this stopwatch every time we're in present day I'm gonna hit this stopwatch every time we're in the past and see how well they line up because it feels like as we go through the movie you're getting the same amount of past and present almost uh, at least as far as screen time not maybe obviously not the same amount of information probably but you're getting about the same amount of screen time and it keeps flashing back and forth between the two and eventually it gets to the point where they're just melded together and no yeah. one can tell which one is happening right now, which one is real, which one's imagined. It all just gets jumbled up into this weird mess and it's beautiful. Yeah, Mike is able to tell in, in Oculus two simultaneously heavily intertwined stories at the same time. It is very well done. Brother's out of the hospital. 21st birthday. Yay. And the doctor is reminding him, like, what are your plans for when you get out of here? Oh, I'm going to go, you know, meet my sister. She offered to let me stay with her and her fiance. That's good. You should get back in touch with your family. But remember, you always have to protect your mental state more than anything. Don't let her influence you basically mm-hmm. that's a domino <laughs> that that's a that's not even a domino that's just a straight up being like yeah you ready for this <laughs> yeah and then we're introduced to kaylee the sister character played by karen gillen as an adult klaus tell me about this ponytail game bro the ponytail game is bar none the best ponytail i've ever seen in my life Right. It's bounce, it's swing, it's unfathomable, really. And it's what you look <laughs> for in a horror movie is the ponytail. How good is it? <laughs> Seriously, as far as like horror movie females go, ponytails and tank tops are like your top two things. I mean, they're, they're almost always going to be wearing jeans, tank tops, and probably have a ponytail because they're going to be running around and doing shit, so they got to keep their hair out of their face. Mm-hmm. It's the horror movie woman outfit. And guess what? <laughs> we we got it in Hush, and we're getting it here too. <laughs> it really is the uniform. And it yeah, it's good. It's good. While her brother has been in the psych ward, she's been out and has gotten herself a job as a like a museum art curator, seller, or something along those lines. I think they just auction the items, but it's all antique based, you know, antique like very high end antiques. Yeah. 
Yeah, starting bids at, you know, 10000 or whatever. And she has a fiancé that seems just like a normal guy that works at the... He likes antiques and dusty shit. Seems like a normal, boring guy. But you can't help but get the feeling that she's... Uh, all of this is for a specific purpose, and that's to find the mirror. Well, that that's what I love about this entrance scene. So we get the shot. We're following Kaylee down a hallway into an auction room, and that's where you get to see this wonderful swinging ponytail of hers that is just perfect. She steps into the room, and they're just now starting bidding on this giant mirror with this beautiful, once again, very dark wood frame. It's an almost flawless mirror, except for one crack in the bottom right-hand corner, and they're starting bidding at 10000 She's having a conversation with her fiancé here, but I don't know if she even looks at him the whole time she is just laser focused on that mirror she is Mm -hmm. not letting it out of her sight that immediately right there without knowing like i'm sure we all saw the mirror in the in the cold open so we kind of already knew to be looking for it but the way she is focused on this even without the cold open i think we would have already felt like there is something about this mirror specifically and so she, it seems, it becomes pretty obvious that her goal is to get this mirror. Uh, by the way, the mirror is called the Lasser Glass, which is a fun name. Having a name for your item like that is key, I think. And it looks dope as fuck. I really want this mirror in my fucking house. I'm just saying. I'm looking up Lasser now. So I'm like, what is Lasser? Ooh, see if that's a reference to like a real life thingy. Yeah. Germanic name. There's a Lasser Ceramics Pottery Store in Vermont. (laughs) David Lasser. A science fiction writer, maybe. Huh. Huh. I found evil.fandom.com slash wiki, and it has a quote at the top of it that is attributed to Legend of the Lasser Glass. See the mirror hanging there. Face of silver, frame of black. Oculus of glass I stare, I can feel you staring back. I hear your voice, believe your lies, a window, a portal, darkened door. Should you claim my staring eyes, my soul you hold forevermore. Ooh, I like that. I don't know where this comes from, but I like it. That is good. But this this first segment sets up her kind of what her goal goals have been for these last several years clearly focused on the mirror looks like she's gotten a job and a fiance all with the end goal of mirror <laughs> yeah because she works either with or for her fiance because something yeah yeah a little weird dynamic going on there but okay whatever yeah you know people you know work together they like to yeah. fuck that's yeah. fine just sign the you know the corporate disclaimer whatever it is <laughs> And then eventually uh, she meet her and her brother meet again. And almost immediately he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing a lot better. You know, I'm dealing with this trauma, putting it behind me. And he's, you know, seems like he's being healthy. And she's like, yeah, but the mirror, you remember the promise we made there, right? We made that promise. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but there is a wonderful shot right here. And it's so simple, but it works perfectly. They're doing your normal shot reverse shot of a conversation kaylee's being all fine and happy tim's explaining he's doing better now and everything as soon as kaylee brings up the mirror the camera's looking over tim's left shoulder at her 
and then it slowly dollies to be over his right shoulder as soon as she brings up the mirror. And her tone is completely different. Nothing else about the shot changes. The coloring doesn't change. The lighting doesn't change. Nothing like that. But all it took was for that camera to go from his left shoulder to his right shoulder. And suddenly she is deadly serious. And she is after this goddamn mirror. Not only that, I have the mirror. I'm gonna go take it the fuck down. And I need your help. Yeah, I did not notice that about the shot, to be honest. That's really interesting. I noticed her intensity. I love, too, that he, he finally concedes. And he's, all right, I'll, you know, what's your address? I'll, and she's, oh, our parents' house, the house. So the problem with this movie is Mike Flanagan loves to shove a lot of information very quickly in the movie, as mm. we saw with Hush. Uh, Hush had a shitload of information up front. Right. He did it in a very good way because a lot of the information was portrayed not through dialogue or anything, but through what we are seeing around the house and just a couple of circumstances which lead to showing things in the house and how the house works and everything. Mm -hmm. This, however, the, it's hard to get these things across without dialogue. So we're having very short scenes with a lot of quick dialogue. It works really well, I still think. I don't think. I don't think it's a major problem, but it is a little more messy feeling than something like Hush, which feels like a very clean, straightforward narrative. This is a very different, like, go ahead and get used to being thrown from present to past and past to present yeah. very quickly. Yeah, at the heart, that's that's what this movie is, so you have to kind of get used to it. The next, I think, section that I found super interesting is eventually they do make it to the house. And what I love about this, I haven't seen a ton of horror, but what I love is the sister is very aware of the dangers of the mirror. And in this movie, they're taking precautions. So after the conversation between her and Tim talking about the mirror, we get the flashback of them moving into the new house. As they're moving in, the kids are running around all crazy. Dad's in his office setting up his new company, so he's on the phone and busy all the time. Mom is trying to direct the movers on where to put all the big heavy shit, and they bring in this giant fucking mirror that she doesn't recognize, and she's chastising her husband about getting this new mirror, and you're just gonna wait for it to show up on the visa bill? That kind of shit. But we see it, and they place it right in the office, straight back on the wall, facing the door to the office. Yeah, there's the setup too is the mom and dad. There's some um, chastising that seems to me, in my opinion, to be kind of playful and, and loving. They seem to have a decent relationship, even if they're kind of poking each other in a in a playful way that doesn't last too long but it's there <laughs> at the beginning well and they they do seem very happy for at least these first couple of flashbacks let's face it moving is one of the most stressful things you can do in your life so they are stressed out not to mention he's starting his own company from scratch at the same time there's kids running around, a dog, yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot. So they're stressed out, but they seem to be kind of handling it, you know? They're they're a little on edge, but they're working through it. They're good. Quick flash to present. Brother is staying in a shit hotel instead of staying with his sister, which I think, for me, that speaks to him just kind of being like, okay, we went and had lunch, and she immediately brought up the goddamn mirror thing, 
maybe I shouldn't stay at her and her fiancé's house because I could see this spiraling pretty quick. I'm going to go ahead and remove myself from the situation, try to protect my sanity at all costs. Yeah, not immediately go to the parents' house. Let's get a little separation. <laughs> he he still doesn't know exactly what she has planned. She just told him, like, I found the mirror and I'm going to get rid of it. That's basically mm. all she said. So he still doesn't understand <laughs> exactly what's happening. Flashback again. Mom and dad are having sexy times in the new house first night. Fuck you, phone. Mom is already having a little bit of body image issues. She's looking at herself in the mirror at her C-section scar. She's just not feeling very good about it. I mean, very natural thing. And then dad's like, oh yeah, let me look at it. Gets down on that pussy. So, fucking phone! <laughs> I'm sorry. It's silenced now. That will no longer be a problem. I know my my phone's almost like a third character on this podcast now because there's so many episodes where I couldn't edit out the fucking text ringtone. <laughs> so, but yeah, a little sexy times there. So mom and dad are doing well. Once again, they're stressed out, but they're doing good. Then dad, it shows dad post-coital downstairs getting something out of the fridge. He grabs his little juice box, and as he's about to go walking back upstairs, he sees creepy ghost lady standing right outside his office, and it scares the shit out of him so much that he actually squeezes the juice box and it sprays on his shirt. She's there, and then she's gone immediately. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, the main ghost lady is played by none other than Kate Siegel, Mike <sighs> Flanagan's wife, star of Ash. There she is again. They love working together. It, it's a little sad she doesn't have a slightly bigger role in this, but she is creepy as fuck as ghost lady in this, so congrats, Kate. This juice squeeze thing. The first time I saw that, I thought it was a gunshot wound, is what I thought it was. And maybe it was symbolizing that on purpose or not, but that's what I thought. Definitely with the, like, very red-looking juice on the shirt. They're going for, like, a <laughs> get-ready-for-this kind of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. Back to present, adult Kaylee is asleep in bed with her fiancé. She is awoken by a dog barking. She gets up and starts walking down the hall. She walks into her father's office from the flashback. It's set up exactly how it was in the flashback. Looks just how it was as when she was a little kid. And she's just staring at the mirror when her father leaps out, grabs her by the throat, has her down, and is choking the shit out of her. She wakes up in bed with her fiancé shaking her, basically saying it's going to be okay. You realize it was a night terror. A couple of things I wanted to mention about this scene. First off, thank you, costuming department, for putting Karen Gillan in that tiny, tiny little night slip. Whew! Karen Gillan, you are a beautiful woman if you ever hear this. I'm not trying to just demean you, but... That was a good choice by the costuming department. And secondly, Mike Flanagan really loves manual manual strangulation. Yeah, it's a intimate form of murder. <laughs> well, I mean, we we had it in Hush too, right? Like yeah. at the end. I mean, that whole fucking having Kate Siegel on the ground, the killer has her on the ground and is just choking the shit out of her right before the end of that movie. Whew. And I don't know the the psychology behind it, but. I do know soldiers are more likely to get PTSD the closer they are. 
you know, they can see the face. And, you know, if you're firing artillery from a couple of miles away, it's, it's not as traumatic to where you can see the blood or the face or the smell. And so I just, I can imagine the closer you get with a range weapon and then you get into melee weapons and you take away those, you take away the gloves and it's just person on person. I don't, like I said, don't understand the psychology of it, but that intimacy of murder is terrifying. Uh, it's fun, kind of funny because I, I say kind of funny as I'm about to talk about a mass murderer. I recently listened to a podcast talking about talking about the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper, who was this gigantic fucker, and he killed a lot of people in the 70s in California. But a lot of the time, he would strangle them with his hands, and he is one of the most sociopathic people you will ever read or hear or watch something about. And I think the only way he could have done it that many times is because... He is so sociopathic. The only way you can look into someone's eyes as you choke the life out of them with your bare hands, you have to be just completely dead inside. And I, I think there's something to be said about that for Hush and for this movie as well. I, I think Mike Flanagan personally might have a little too much of a thing for the manual strangulation, but it, it does. it's a very strong statement. Yeah, that is not the last time you'll see it in this movie. Oh God, there no. are a number of a number of them that occur. <laughs> so then we cut to Kaylee and fiance in an office building. Apparently, she has to be put on her own printer because someone else went to pick some things up out of the printer and they found some very gruesome crime scene photos of a woman just with blood everywhere. Oh, wow. Who would have done that? The fiance is basically just like, oh, isn't the buyer picking up that mirror later? And she's like, yeah, but I've got to take it over to the warehouse for repairs. I thought they didn't want to repair it. Uh, I talked him into it. He's basically just like, look, I don't really give a fuck about the mirror. I just want to know why you're printing gruesome crime scene photos at work. I got the distinct impression like she does not give a fuck about him. And she, she's just using him. There's a scene later in the movie where maybe that's not the case, but she seems so focused on the mirror and not on our relationship. Well, that's the thing. We, we don't really get to see her normal day-to-day -day life at all. Mm -hmm. We only see her from the moment she is reintroduced to the mirror. Mm -hmm. The entire story is the mirror, which I think is mm. kind of fantastic because it becomes this other character on its own. And when you're talking about a haunted item, you don't I don't think you necessarily have to focus on the item itself so much as, you know, what the item is causing. But in this one specifically, the mirror has a personality. It clearly means so much to this character, Kaylee, that it looms over her life. And I think you feel that from the first time we are introduced to her. I do think she likes her fiance. Just putting that out there. I, I agree. I agree. There's some later things that solidify that, the way she reacts. But she is pretty focused, like you said, on, on the mirror. But instead of taking it to get repaired, she takes it somewhere else. So she goes to pick it up in the warehouse. And this is where we get our first little taste. And also a few dominoes. So if you're paying close attention in this shot as she's walking into the warehouse... She sees the mirror. It's kind of up on a stand or something holding it. As she's walking in, there's like other antiques all around her. To her right, 
is a couple of statues with sheets laid over them. She walks up to the mirror, she pulls the sheet off of it. She's just looking at it and kind of talking to it oddly uh, to herself. She is looking in the reflection and she sees three statues behind her with sheets over them, and the heads of one of them turn slightly to the side. She turns around. There's only two statues there. She looks back in the reflection. There's three statues, and now the heads of the other two are moving to look at her. She looks back. There's three statues, all with the sheets on them. She walks over. She's pulling the sheets off the first two. They're just normal statues. She's reaching for the third one, and just as her hand's getting up to the sheet, oh, jump scare! <laughs> Warehouse worker guy interrupts her. This is the first time I've noticed it. Uh, watching it today, which is kind of silly of me. As soon as she turns around to talk to Warehouse Worker, there's only two statues behind her. So, no idea what that third one was. Oh, it's like the Warehouse guy dropped her out of the illusion she was seeing, yeah. So she basically tells him, hey, I'm gonna personally deliver the mirror, why don't you pack it up in my car, I'm over by the loading bay. Little domino here that I, once again, just caught today. As she's walking out of the warehouse, there's a plant in the corner of the warehouse that is dead. Mm -hmm. Domino, domino, domino. I remember, now that you said that, I remember that shot of the plant and being like, why are they focusing on this dead plant and i just didn't connect it later in the movie that's kind of the thing is they don't like fully focus on it and on it's top subtle. of that they use it as a transition mike flanagan mm. is so good at this especially in the beginnings of his movies he shows kaylee walking out the warehouse and there's this dead plant right beside the door and the camera just kind of slowly drifts over to the dead plant and then we go into another flashback, which shows a dead plant in the house back when they were all living in it. So it's used as a transition. It's showing it to you. It's presenting it to you. But its main function there is as a transition. So your brain might not be connecting the points yet. He's hiding a domino in a transition. So it's not so obvious. Oh, Brilliant. it's really good. Good job, Mike. Fuck yeah. So yeah, we get the flashback to the dead plant dad's in his office and he's like got some strange whispering going on in the background meanwhile little kaylee and little tim are running around outside playing some stupid version of cops and robbers with these very 90s light up and make a shitload of noise fake guns <laughs> while little kaylee's hiding right outside the office window she looks in and she sees some mysterious woman she doesn't recognize leaning over her father and kind of has her hands all over him yeah and i i'm still not sure was that entirely illusion was it some illusion was there an actual person that was a assistant to his job i'm i'm not clear at all because I don't remember seeing her outside of near him, near the mirror, right? in an illusion setup. I'm personally pretty sure that it is the ghost from the mirror. Mm -hmm. because, because it's in the house, and at least according to Kaylee, mom was never out of the house. I'm assuming she doesn't work, so she's there maintaining the house and keeping the kids. That That is one little weird thing about this movie. Like, it could only take place during the summer because the kids clearly aren't in school yeah they're not really doing much <laughs> like the, it seems like the entire family is just in the house the entire time 
Yeah, they're just in and around the house in the yard. And so we cut forward to the family sitting at dinner. Dad's kind of absentmindedly chewing on his fingernail while the family is talking and having a little spat between mom and daughter, and his finger starts bleeding, so he gets up and wraps a band-aid on it. Domino. Mm -hmm. Then we get back to modern day, and the siblings are in the house. Can you come by the house? Sure. What's your address? No. The house. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. This is the first time Tim's been back to the house since whatever happened that caused him to be put into the psychiatric hospital. Kaylee's just kind of inviting him. Yeah, go look around. The house is completely empty, except for the office, which we'll get to in a minute. But Tim's walking around the house, kind of getting a feel for it. He walks into the master bedroom, and he kind of gets lost in thought as he sees a metal loop and chain that are hanging on the wall in the master bedroom. And once again, as he's kind of reaching for it, about to touch it, Kaylee interrupts him and starts talking to him, and that's when he realizes the chain's not actually there on the wall. Domino. Well, I just love these little, these little slight hallucinations that both of our characters are having. They haven't been around the mirror, but for a few moments. Mm. The first time Kaylee was at, was near it at the auction, but then was only in the warehouse with it for. I don't know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, something like that before it starts fucking with her. Yeah. Now Tim is back in the same house or or not even in the same house. The with the mirror's still in the car at this point and he's just yards and yards away from it, only been around it for a few seconds and he's already seeing mm. shit. It's just beautiful little touches like that. I I love it. There's a progressive increase in transitions and flashbacks and a ramping up both in how frequent those hallucinations or flashbacks occur and the intensity of them, both in the present day story and in the past story, they're ramping up, you know, from the family going from happy to there's some disgruntled weird things going on to there are now some actively weird things going on to there's now horror going on and it happens in the present too. It's a fun little balance keeping Mike Flanagan consistently ratchets up the tension throughout the movie even with the mod or the present day and the past the tension levels are about the same in both storylines as you mm. move through them yeah i agree yeah once again they mirror each other eh, oh. eh, eh. <laughs> i know when i make puns it doesn't feel right so this is finally where we get our Big exposition dump yes. as uh, Kaylee is showing Tim the room she has set up in the office. She has two computers, two big, nice cameras focusing on the mirror, a couple of more cameras set up in the corners of the room. And she shows him her quote unquote kill switch, which is a big fucking sharp metal anchor tied to the ceiling that if they don't reset a timer every 30 minutes it will fall and crash into the mirror yeah at this point crash into the wall she demonstrates it the mirror isn't there yet but it slams into the wall and what i love about this 
is she goes through all these precautions, the filming their own separate power sources, the kill switch. There's multiple alarms that remind her, remind them to eat and to reset the batteries and restock the film. And she's having her fiance call her every hour, only hour. Uh, she has all these countermeasures. And I love it because the horror movies I've seen and the kind of tropes are that in general, the people that are dealing with the supernatural force or whatever it is, don't always take the most logical course of action and a bad horror trope is they make very poor decisions so here you have the the characters particularly the sister who are actively taking well thought out precautions if you're going to take on a, a mirror i think she's covering almost all the bases you would want to cover now obviously this gets into the eagles why don't they flow flow fly flown flee <laughs> why don't the eagles just fly the ring into mordor yeah. you know why don't they set up the dead dead trap and then walk away but that's easily overcome by well the mirror doesn't obviously let that happen and we wouldn't have a movie otherwise yeah exactly when you're first hearing the precautions she has taken they sound kind of odd she has like one that's set up for every 45 minutes to remind them to eat and drink water Stuff like that, where it's like she's worried about dehydration, even though they're only planning to be here for a few hours at most. Different power sources, multiple batteries and stuff for the camera. She's changing out the film for the camera every 30 minutes or an hour or something like that, which the camera should be able to film for much longer than that. But changing it out, it, it's very strange. But it all has its reasons, as she quickly tells you, as she's going through this long laundry list of people who owned the mirror and how all of those people eventually met their demise. And and as she goes through them, some of those precautions start to make sense. You start to realize there's plants set up all throughout the house because the plants die. That gives her an idea of the radius of its influence. One of them seemed to lose lose a ton of weight before they died, so maybe that's why she's worried about food. And, and yeah, and all these precautions. One of them dies of dehydration while soaking in a bathtub full of water for three days. Another one goes crazy, locks her own children in a cistern to drown them, and then breaks all the bones in her legs and one arm and then starts beating her own skull in but <laughs> I love I love this line her right arm though is completely unharmed because she needed it to wield a hammer <laughs> I was like yeah that's a good read and and at this point I don't think at this point, besides the creepy lady that the dad briefly saw, I think everyone, the audience is assuming that the mirror is actually supernaturally haunted, but it's not yet confirmed. And so you have in the narrative, Tim, who's overcome a tremendous amount of tragedy, has worked for years in a psych war dealing with it, who is suddenly reintroduced to his sister, which is probably digging stuff up, reintroduced to the mirror. And is in the house, in the office. Yeah. And then he has his sister spouting out all of this stuff. I can just see in his eyes, like, I'm supposed to be the, like, you know, the crazy one that was traumatized <laughs> that was in a psych ward for years. Like, <laughs> sister, calm down. Yeah, he is looking at her with bewildered, wide-eyed amazement at how insane she seems right now. <laughs> yeah. There is a moment, too, when he's arguing with her and he says, you know, what's all this for? And eventually get to the point of, you know, why don't we just smash the mirror and then we'll leave. And she's like, all right, sure. You don't think any of this is necessary? Go ahead. Smash it. And during that argument, he mentions they were only in the house for two weeks. 
with the mirror as children. Wow. Yeah. Like, just to put that in perspective to you, when if you've seen the movie and you're thinking about all the flashbacks that go on, think about the fact that that's over the course of two weeks. That is a steep fucking decline. That is a fast ramp up. Thinking back now, that answers some of the questions of, hey, the neighbors haven't seen the wife in a while, but it's two weeks. It's not like it's three months or something. Exactly. You know, a... If you go from zero to a hundred in two weeks, you can get a lot done before people really start to question it. When they're having that argument, she's like, go ahead, smash it. And he picks up a stool and they keep arguing. And then at some point she points out, why did you put the stool down? And it's immediately after he pulls the sheet off the mirror and he sees it again for the first mm -hmm. time. And he's just looking at it with stool in hand. And then he starts babbling on about about his recovery and what his shrink has told him and all this stuff. And then Kaylee's just like, why would you put the stool down? Yeah. Yeah. He starts putting it on her like you have trauma you haven't dealt with. And uh, yeah, and she points it out and he looks down and the, yeah, the stool's just laying there and he makes up some excuse. I don't need to smash the mirror because it's, you know, I can't smash the mirror will not fix your trauma or, you know, whatever. But you start to see the mani manipulative power of the mirror. And this is where Kaylee goes into a little bit more of an exposition dump about how the mirror will protect itself at all costs. She even says there's only one verified story of a person trying to attack the mirror where he ran at it with a fire poker but never landed a blow because people saw him run up to it stop stand still for about a straight minute doing nothing and then turn around walk outside the building and into traffic and died uh hey another suicide by uh jaywalk look at that little tie-in to uh last month episode <laughs> let the devil wear black i was just thinking I think my strategy, if someone put me in this situation, all right, you have to, how are you going to do it? I think I would, uh, if there's a radius of influence, I think a, like a long range firearm is maybe, <laughs> is maybe the best thing, like <laughs> from a mile off. Hire someone else to take it to the back of a field while you set up your sniper rifle to just line up the shot. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Maybe that'll work. Yeah, that, that would be a much better decision. But to Kaylee's defense here, she is trying to prove with fact that this mirror has a supernatural entity attached to it because mm -hmm. she's trying to clear the name of not only her little brother, but also her father. Yeah. And her mother. Yeah. Everyone involved. Yeah. yeah. She wants a lucid, continuous record of the mirror and what it is doing to them. Mm -hmm. She has a dog. Now, I, I feel like the dog, I don't understand it. So you're going to have to explain it to me. I know we see at some point the dog, the first dog. I was about to say, as she's, as she's giving some of this exposition, she trails off because she sees a hallucination of her childhood lab walking by the door of the office. Yeah, and then she brings out dog, as she calls it. <laughs> Which I guess if you're going to rescue a dog from the pound and then just feed it to a supernatural mirror, okay, you psychopath. <laughs> yeah, and and maybe that's why she doesn't give it a name. She's trying not to get too attached to it, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's a big <laughs> oof. That's I think it's yike. literally because she doesn't care, man. When it comes to this whole mirror thing, she is a psychopath. She doesn't give a fuck about anything or anyone else. She is just trying to get proof that her father wasn't crazy, her brother isn't crazy, it's all this goddamn mirror. 
Uh, the line from her brother was, no one can break your delusion for you, by the way. There it is. And as we said, she's got an anchor tied up to the ceiling. Every 30 minutes, if she doesn't reset the timer, the anchor will drop, breaking the mirror. And she says that this will force the mirror into action as quickly as possible because they have a loaded gun to its head, basically. Mm -hmm. She's like, no fucking around for two weeks here. We're getting this shit going. We're getting it going quick. Flashback. Dad's in his office, his fingers still hurting and bleeding, and he takes the band-aid off and he's looking at it and he starts picking at it, and then he pulls out a staple remover and just rips his fucking fingernail off. <laughs> oh I can't there there's two things in horror movies that really like hurt me when I watch them. It's like ripping fingernails and then pulling teeth. Or breaking teeth, actually, is the worst. But, oh, yeah, that, oh, that hurts. Oh, Yeah, I, I definitely turned away in this and a couple other scenes. But, yeah, I agreed. Teeth, peeling of any sort, pulling or tearing. Just, and, and I think, too, like, doing it to yourself is, uh, it, that creeps me the hell out. So I definitely turned away in the scene. I didn't want to see it. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because he doesn't really feel it until it's already done. Yeah, that's the kind of disturbing part about him doing it to himself. It's not like he's screaming the whole time he's doing it. He just does it and then fucking realizes like, what the hell have yeah. I done? We get a quick little shot of dad blaming the kids for playing in his office. They show a bunch of books like laid out mm -hmm. in a weird pattern stacked on top of each other. And he mentions the dead plants again. This next kind of section is the slow uptick of the weird um, in the flashbacks, where it's not quite yet core, but yeah, books are being splayed out, plants are dying. There's a moment where one of the kids mentions they saw a woman in the office, and then when they ask dad about that playing playfully, you know, it could be assistant or who knows, dad just kind of says, I don't know, in the most suspicious way possible and walks off. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the family kind of deteriorating because of all these small weird stuff yeah and mom clearly shrugged that off at first but as we get more and more into the movie and her mental state also starts to kind of break down it becomes a bigger mm -hmm. and bigger part of all of it mm -hmm. eventually mom is so upset about something oh it's because they think that they their children think they've seen a woman in the house and the mom's like well we can't just have random woman walking into our house all the time so dad buys a gun <laughs> good great thing for people who know nothing about guns to do is just to go buy one yeah i you know we're both owners of firearms mm -hmm. um, but i think yeah you definitely want to learn about a gun before you just go and have one in the house <laughs> you yeah. need to understand how to safely operate it and use it and store know it. how to keep it away from kids and store it exactly so yeah that's and, our recommendations and so the mom is totally against it she doesn't feel comfortable with a gun in the house and <laughs> i do love the line of okay i will lock it up unloaded where I'm sure it'll come in very handy in the case of an emergency. <laughs> so, so he'll he'll just end up like the dad in Mischief Night, running for the lockbox and throwing bullets all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is always, I mean, a very 
in real life way, not even in movies alone, but in real life, that's always the balance of how do I safely store it while also having it accessible if I need it in an emergency. Right. The great balance in firearm ownership. How do you do both? That's why I prefer to be an adult without a child and living by myself so I don't have to worry about anyone else fucking with my loaded weapons that are stored very poorly (laughs) right beside me. (laughs) No, no. You can also have a hatchet. So yeah, things start to ramp up both in the past and in the present. Oh, and as mom is walking out of the room from the gun conversation, she thinks she hears her husband call her a grotesque cow, just feeding into that body image stuff again. I was wondering what he said there. I thought I couldn't hear that. That makes way more sense. I thought he said, okay, I'll test it on the cat or something. (laughs) We're talking about the gun. But yeah, that makes so much more sense. Yeah, with her body images, image issues. Well, and she does immediately look into the mirror and like runs a hand across her belly. Like, yeah, clearly got some body image issues going on. Mom hears later on, same flashback, dog is barking at the office. Mom goes down there to try and shut it up. The dog immediately turns and bites Mom on the hand. And this starts a... Oh, and well, Mom's at the office door and hears voices. And when she gets in there, it's just her husband. And this kind of spirals into this whole argument. A little bit further on, Mom is seen scrubbing the rug in the living room. And dog is barking at the office door again dad's clearly not there so she just goes over opens the office and says fuck it if you want to go in there fucking go in there and she closes the doors and the doors just lock on their own somehow and she can't get the door open again the dog's in there barking and when dad gets back home she says i had to put the dog in time out he's been locked in your office all day he opens the door and the dog is gone yeah there is that kind of slow progression of weird there's a scene where the dog was just not it was just laying there and the kids were trying to get it to play fetch and it was just refusing obviously barking a lot sometimes the dad just doesn't notice it we come back to the present and i forget where they are but they eventually make their way back to the office and find it's been disturbed the cameras are facing each other so they're in the office and kaylee's talking about how the dog just was gone after being locked in the Mm. office all day this is where tim's like look you're just remembering it wrong you're getting different childhood memories confused with each other the way he remembers it was that dad took the dog to the vet and the dog was already really sick and throwing up and stuff and so they had to put the dog down and mom just Mm. said that the dog was in time out to keep it from the children that the dog was at the vet being put down and stuff like that spurs this whole fight between kaylee and tim about what's real and what's not and they're just yelling at each other and they eventually walk into the other room Kaylee starts to break down like Tim's got her on the ropes he's finally convinced her like look none of the things you said would happen are happening all of the plants are alive all the lights are still on nothing weird is happening it's time to face facts you're just remembering things wrong because you were a scared little kid in a horrible situation 
and she's finally mm-hmm. breaking down. He's like, look, we can just leave. We can call your fiance. He'll understand. We'll handle this. And that's when she walks past the office door and sees the cameras have all been moved. They're all like pointing at each other in weird angles. The plants are underneath the cameras and the plants are all dead in the office. This just validates everything she's been looking for. She finally has proof to show her brother, this is what it's doing to us. You don't even know it because it's fucking with your head so bad that you don't know what you're doing when you're doing it. She she looks at the film from another camera that's on the wall, and it clearly shows them having the same argument. But instead of wherever they they were, they're walking around this office, picking up the cameras, facing them towards each other, and 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 the rest, and putting everything there. So at this point, you have like definitive. The mirror sort of made itself known to the brother and sister. I mean, there could be some argument if he showed this to someone else. They were just actors, you know, because it all hinges on did they remember were they doing this on purpose or not. They clearly weren't from from our perspective, um, but things start to ramp up from there. Mm-hmm. Um, we start to see lights. We start to see the plants dying, trying to figure out how far the radius is based on how far the plants are from the mirror, its area of effect. She mentions uh, she also had a hospital temperature alarm that would go off if the temperature changed by five degrees in either direction and she checks her thermometer or whatever and she says look the temperature's already changed by like six degrees but the alarm didn't go off so the alarm's already dead Mm. this is when she gets a call from her fiance so that we know as an audience it's been about one hour since the last phone call she basically just answers it says yeah everything's fine thanks i'll talk to you in an hour hangs up and then she looks at tim and goes i'm sorry about earlier and i'll talk to you in an hour 50 50 that was even him so (laughs) that's a good domino because we haven't been introduced to the camera fucking with electrical stuff like at all yet as I was watching this movie and trying to take notes, there were a couple times where I'm trying to figure out the rules on what it can and cannot affect. Because there are certain parts of electronics, like cameras, that it doesn't seem to be able to affect, but yet at the same time it can flicker lights and stuff, so it's not a foolproof rule. And And because it messes with them psychologically so hard, I don't even think the cameras are foolproof, because later on there's a scene where Tim and Kaylee are talking and they walk into into the office, the monitors are clicking back on, and the monitors both show Kaylee like staring into the camera that works for each separate monitor. It's two separate cameras, two separate monitors, and in both of them, she's staring into the lens of the camera. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the version of her that he sees in the room is like tidying up and moving things. Yeah. I think it messes with their heads so hard that the characters are relying on the cameras to show the truth, but that's not necessarily true either. And and in the past, when we have a flashback, we can start to see the father is obviously at this point pretty affected and the mother is start to either be affected directly by the mirror and also, I think, indirectly by living with the dad who is very affected. She's st- her mental status is starting to be un- unhinged. Yeah, she's like downing wine by half the bottle per glass <laughs> at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Dad's gone. She says she doesn't know where he is. She knows where he said he was. That kind of shit. 
-hmm. And then she starts prodding the children, tell me more about the woman in the office. And Mm -hmm. Kaylee lies and says, I haven't seen her. And Tim says, I saw her, but she wasn't in the office. She was on the stairs. I was too scared to, you know, go out and see who it was. I think she went back in the office. I think she lives there. (laughs) Which, like, creepy little kid line. (laughs) Yeah, creepy as hell. The next thing I remember is the mom what i think is like the turning point is when the the scene where the mom chokes the boy okay well before that the big thing is right after that conversation with the kids she goes into the dad's office pulls out some of his paperwork and if you look right at the bottom of the front page on that paperwork it has the name marisol written on it with a heart beside it and then she's flipping through the pages and she finds another page where literally half the page is just covered in this frantic scratchy handwriting of the name marisol over and over and over again it's really brief but if you listened during the exposition dump that kaylee did one of the women killed by the mirror was named marisol And that's something, too, I think we see and start to understand a little bit more. These creepy ghosts, whatever they are, maleficent entities that are being projected by the mirror or through it or whatever, they seem to take the form of people that were killed by it. And you'll see that later when people are added to the crowd of dead mirror people. Right. Listen, Listen to the Marisol Chavez story specifically. Marisol Chavez dies in her bedroom of hemorrhaging due to a miscarriage. In her nightstand, they find every single one of her teeth in a little plastic bag and a pair of bloody pliers. So, yeah, more of more of those details are involved in this specific family interaction than I would have thought. Because that, that exposition dump, she is just running through names and things that happen that are all horrible. So it, it's nice that a specific ghost from the mirror is the one that's haunting them. And it's not just like an amalgamation of all of them, even though they are all there at the end. At some point, the the dad comes back. I don't actually know where he went or what what that was about. After finding the Marisol all over the paperwork... Mom freaks out, throws things off the desk. She breaks a family photo, gets a little cut on her. She throws something off of the desk towards the mirror, and it barely hits the wall right beside the mirror. And immediately, she is just like, doom, stood up straight. And she's staring into the mirror, and she starts to see her C-section scar open up and bleeding. Tim and Kaylee walk in, and they're like, Mom? Mom, what's wrong? Mom? She turns around and just starts choking the shit out of little Timmy. Just fucking choking him. Once again, manual strangulation, Mike. You you got a problem, bro. Calm down. And then the little sister, I think, hits the hits her mom with something, gets her to release, and the kids basically run, run upstairs, lock themselves into the bathroom um, while the mother is chasing them. She's just beating on the door wildly. Dad gets home, comes upstairs, and he's like, uh, honey, what's wrong? You're bleeding. And then she attacks him, and he fucking full-on rear-naked choke takes her to the yeah. ground and puts her out. Another great little touch. He pulls out his cell phone and calls calls 911 to try and get help for his wife and you see the lights flicker and you don't hear what's said on the phone but he just goes okay close the phone puts it up and then drags her ass into the bedroom and then comes back with a length of chain and uh this isn't weird at all dad (laughs) 
Yeah, and and I really felt this was such a big turning point because the mom kind of goes wild after the the kids. The dad gets home, chokes her out, and at that point, it seems like the dad is lucid and is genuinely feared for the kids. They open the door. They're like, "What's going on?" He's like, "Guys, just stay inside. Close the door. Mom's gonna be okay, but close the door and lock it." And it seems like he's lucid at that point. He's like calling the cops. Like he seems fine, but like you said, as soon as he picks up the phone, the light blinks it like clicks and his his facial expression goes from like worried father and husband to controlled by the mirror basically and he drags the wife off gets the chain like you're saying and that's such a turning point i think at this point in the present because they are very mirrored the past and the present stories the adult versions of the brother and sister are in that same bathroom at this point i believe if i'm remembering correctly no not yet not yet. Now, okay. Yeah, the present and past mirror each other in style until a certain point, and then they kind of start to meld. I did want to add with the transitions, like you said, they do mirror each other. But as we go through the movie, we see where the past and the present scenes are kind of distinct. They do flow in and out of each other, but they're distinct. And as you move forward, the there's very there's quicker transitions between you see the adult sister and then boom, now it's the child sister. And and later on you'll see them actually merge and converge and you have both the adult and the child version in the same scene, but all the all the while we're slowly building up towards that. Yeah. The transitions are fantastic. You'll have a character just in present day turn a corner and exit the room mm -hmm. the camera will pan over and it's the past showing the younger yeah. version of that character doing something else those transitions are just really clean i love them it's hard to get over the cinematography for this movie is done really fucking well so this is the part where we cut back to present kaylee's trying to reset up the cameras from when they were moved around tim is seeing her just staring into the cameras on each of the monitors but he sees the what he thinks is the real her moving the cameras back into place and stuff it's already fucking with his head and he doesn't know if what he sees with his eyes is real or what if what he sees on the monitors is real and it's really quick so he doesn't like say anything about it or really question it that much he's just freaked out because he's already seen some shit that wasn't there since he's been in this house so and I think it's around this time where like some of the lights have gone out and they're beginning to put in new light bulbs, open up light lanterns and kind of account for that, which leads into one of the creepiest scenes. The flipping back and forth is starting to get a little more ramped up here because it cuts back really quick to dad explaining mom is sick and needs rest. We don't want you to bother her. Little Kaylee's like, what do you mean we? And he just moves on. He's like, look, just stay out of the bedroom. Leave your mother alone. And you guys can stay in here in my office and play video games. So he went from never go into the office, don't touch my shit, to, yeah, you guys should spend more time in my office. I'm going to make it more hospitable for you. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. And then we're back to the present yet again. And like you said, they're changing the light bulbs. This is, oh God, this is the point in the movie where the flashbacks and the present day are just going back and forth really crazy. And on top of that, the transitions are literally a character looks at one side of a room and they see their younger self running by or something like that. 
Yeah. In, in my notes, it got at around this point, it got hard because no longer am I like tracking two parallel stories, but the stories are intertwined now. And so it's harder to keep tracks of these things separately anymore because they're not, mm-hmm. or they're nearly not separate. So as Kaylee's watching Tim change a light bulb in the present day, she starts remembering the young Tim and how he was being affected. Her dad walking food up to their mom, who's been locked in the bedroom for at least a few days now or something like that. And then when she kind of snaps back to present day, she sees a light bulb on the other side of the room the one that she watched her brother just replace blink out and so she's like great grabs another light bulb walks over unscrews that one puts it on the table throws in another light bulb and it goes out so like, what the fuck so she takes that one out and i'm pretty sure she just picks up the same light bulb that she had just taken out of it puts it in there and puts it back in and now it's working and reaches on the counter for the apple that she had set there Walks across the room, takes a big old bite, and you just hear this awful breaking glass noise as she takes a huge bite into what she thought was an apple and then pan around to get a look, and it's a blood-covered, broken light bulb. Ah! The mouth torture. Uh, and and two things about this is immediately you know as that happens there's then a few seconds of her like trying to pull a shard of glass out of her mouth and right before she turns and picks it up and walks away i remember distinctly or i think i do (laughs) that she picked up the apple because i was expecting her to not but it showed her pick up the apple yeah. and then the you know she bites into a light bulb yeah no it very clearly shows her picking up the apple it's just oh god and yeah that that whole part of her pulling the glass slowly out of the roof of her fucking mouth oh mm-hmm. like that's a big ass shard of glass man that thing was fucking in there she's got blood all over her hand and her mouth oh god it looked horrible and then Tim comes yeah. in. Yeah, Tim comes in and is just like, you okay? And she's freaking out, and she's holding the apple. No blood. Yeah, there's no, no blood. <laughs> no glass. Uh, she's like, and then she looks at him, and I think we should uh, stick together. Yeah. After this. <laughs> Flashback to the past again. Little Tim is sitting on the couch watching TV when the TV cuts out, and they can hear banging upstairs, which they assume is mom. It shows them standing in front of the refrigerator refrigerator's like completely empty except for some ketchup and mustard which kind of looks like my refrigerator right now it's basically just a zero water pitcher and uh some condiments (laughs) (laughs) all i can remember from that banging (laughs) that we hear is there's this one tom Waits song i have no idea what it's called but like the chorus i guess of it is just what is he building in there (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know there's, much. Tom there's Waits. this one Tom Waits song that it just says re- over, like repeatedly, "What is he building in there?" <laughs> it's, it's weird. In the context of a horror movie, it sounds creepier. It's not as creepy with the music, but that's what I kept thinking: is what is he building up there, banging around? Yeah, they're running out of food. There's like some pickles in there. Me- meanwhile, Dad's just sitting in his office, looking at the mirror. You need to go grocery shopping, Dad. What's that, Princess? Food. That's on my list. The TV is out. What's that, Princess? 
We need to call a doctor for mom. That's on my list. It's like, whoa. whoa. The dad, the dad is creepy as fuck. He does a fantastic job in this movie, I think, going from like normal upper middle class dad to just being weird and disconnected and creepy. Yeah, he's that disconnected look is he's very good at it. <laughs> there is a brief in I, I think at the end of that scene, there's a very brief like the camera is panning and holds for like half a second on the golf clubs yeah. <laughs> before moving on. It's very subtle, but it's there. Which we didn't really need because we've already had the setup of dad being like, all right, kids, I'm going golfing. You know, like we had that domino there. Yeah. This is kind of like a repeat domino that nobody really asked for, but. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it's more about the sister. Like, she looked at them, kind of like, because at this point she starts to take action. Yeah, little Kaylee is kind of putting together her own plan at this point. It, it's become clear to her that the dad is not interested in helping and no longer doing anything, so. She's going to go check on mom in the bedroom. She's going to go talk to a neighbor. She's kind of beginning to take action, so maybe that's a signal, the golf clubs represent that maybe i don't know but she does begin to take those actions i, I think you I, I think you're pretty much right i mean it's just i think it's like a cue for for the character and not for the audience where we're we're normally mm. looking for dominoes for us as the viewer right right this one i think was a domino for our character as weird as that mm. is to say <laughs> but she's just <laughs> she's just like okay clubs right there got it now, I can't remember, does she go see mom in the bedroom first? I don't care what dad says, and then goes to the neighbor? Is that the order? So she goes to mom, and this is where she finally, we finally get revealed to us that mom is chained up beside the bed in the master bedroom, blood all over her face, and there's a broken plate with the food all over the ground. It looks like she's been yanking teeth out, or maybe the father has yanked her teeth out or something. We don't know. Oh, God, she's creepy as shit looking in this movie. Yeah, and there's a point at some point, I think it's later, where her, I think it's her bites into pottery or a plate. So, like, that could be where some of the damage is coming from, too. But, like, it turns and, like, her hair is frazzled and shorter and has lost some of it. Her teeth are jagged. Some of them are missing blood everywhere. As we mentioned with the past and present stories mirroring each other, I love that we get to see the present day part mirroring that before we see what happened in the past because we see Kaylee bite into the light bulb long before we see the mom sitting on the ground just eating glass yeah oh it's it's really fucking good but I, I just love that we see the after effects before actually seeing what sets it up so she runs out of there. It's now, I feel like it's the kid versions are now suspicious of the mirror, even if they don't maybe fully have logical evidence to support that claim. They're sus suspicious of it. Especially Kaylee, because she keeps coming into right. the office while one of the parents will be just standing in front of the mir mirror staring at it. And they're vacant yeah. and lost. And she's come upon this several times already. So she's clearly blaming the mirror at this point. Kaylee decides mom needs a doctor. She's not okay. Dad is yelling at her like, you know what? Neither of you can leave the house anymore. Like, that's his answer. It's just, 
You're grounded. Yeah, no more leaving the house. Stay close to the mirror, goddammit. So she gets one of their cell phones and calls doctors. There's a wonderful little line. What did the doctor say? He said to have her father call. Like the last one. Exactly like the last one. Same voice. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking weird. <laughs> Yeah, so they know something is going on. There's a brief scene where they go to a neighbor. The neighbor comes over, knocks on the door. The kids are kind of up on a balcony, kind of watching the interaction as dad opens the door. The neighbor's like, oh, you know what's going on? And he's, dad's like, oh, well, she, you know, she's just using her mom's illness to act out. You know, hopefully she'll recover quickly. Hey, you know, next week, give me a ring. We'll We'll go golfing. And, you know, the dad talks his way through it. And the neighbor's like, okay, I'm just checking. Meanwhile, his it, we get the shot of his hand inside the doorway where he's ripped off all the fingernails on his right hand. And there's just a big bloody stain all over the wall where his hand's at. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, Jesus. This is where the house loses power in the present day. You got Kaylee walking around. She's opening up all these little lanterns that she has set up throughout the house. So once again, she's planned for this. She knew it was coming. She opens up a light and she sees a dead plant and she's just like pissed off and kicks it. And it goes across the room and shatters the pot, goes upstairs, turning on more lights. And she sees the broken plate that's exactly like the broken plate of when she went to talk to her mom in the bedroom. And the whole time she's just, it's not real. It's not real. Whips out her cell phone and points her phone at it, and there's nothing on the floor, according to the camera on the phone. She's like, ha, I got you, bitch. Stupid fucking mirror. You can't change film, you dumbass. Walks downstairs, sees all the same shit. Is looking through her phone, doesn't see any of it. She, like, picks up a piece of one of the broken plates, just like, it's not real. I can feel it. I can touch it. I can pick it up, but it is not real. Just reminding herself mm -hmm. of that. And turn around, ghost mom! Ah! Stab her in the fucking throat. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I love the gut reaction when you see a monster to fight it. I love those characters. But once again, Klaus, what do I say about stabbing? Mo always stab many times. Keep going. Don't let go of your instrument and then just be like, oh, that's enough. Fucking hold on to it and just keep stabbing. Unfortunately, it wasn't actually ghost mom. So that might not have been good advice. It's fiance. It was Toby. Oh, no. Whatever his name is. Yeah, I don't know what his name is, but he's fiance. He just kind of like looks at her shocked and falls on the ground and dies. <laughs> she starts freaking out. Tim runs in. They're both freaking out. And she's like, oh, no, it's, it, wait, it, it's not real. It's not real. She pulls up the camera. The pottery is not the broken pottery is not on the floor. She pans it up to the body and the body is on the camera kind of proving if we're using those rules that he did come to visit her or check in on her and he's dead now. I'm still not sure about the cameras telling the truth, but I do know the mirror will let you see the truth if it wants you to see the truth. Yeah. Either way, I think the mirror only lets you see and hear what you want to hear. I mean, if it if it can intercept phone calls and give you fake voices on the phone calls, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be able to mess with cameras. Yeah, and, and how I was kind of interpreting the rule, if you want to put that in quotation marks, is kind of what you're saying where it's a weird thing because it seems in some ways it can't change video, but... 
is it changing the phone calls or are they changing it in the person's head where actually in reality they hang up and never actually talk to anyone and the phone is working fine? Is it not changing the phone is just changing the interpretation of it, the perception of it? But then what about the blinking lights? Is that real? Is that all in their head? It's... It's a jumbled up mess, but at the same time, none of it bothers me because by the time you're at this point in the movie, no one knows what's real. No one knows what's fake. Mm -hmm. And even if there are rules, we as the audience are not being given a lucid account of what's happening. We are seeing what the characters are seeing. So Mm -hmm. no matter what, you can't trust anything, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, if there are rules, we don't have enough information to know them explicitly. I I think we got a good setup of the rules at the beginning, but once you're past the turn in this movie, you no longer get to see reality as it truly is, so... The the other thing, too, I think I noticed when watching this film is over the course of the last several scenes in the present, the characters are acting impulsively, almost as if the mirror is exerting its control. Even just briefly, alarm will go off and Kaylee will just smash it, kick something. They'll let the dog out very quickly. You know, these really quick, brief reactions that they almost don't even address, but hey, that alarm is now off and broken. The dog is now gone. The light is now smashed. The cell phone is now... There's a point where I think they throw the cell phone down and stomp on it. These very brief, almost reactions that the characters don't even seem to address. And it doesn't matter because the whatever it is is now gone and taken out of the picture by the mirror. And that's the other thing on rewatches of this movie I've always questioned myself. Because Kaylee says that the mirror doesn't, the mirror feeds off of the life force of things around it, obviously, with the plants and everything. But she even says that it actually consumes the dogs. So was Helm letting the dog out the back door? Was that real? Or did the mirror actually consume the dog and just give them a reason to think that the dog was gone? You know, shit like that. And the more and more you rewatch this movie, the more things like that you pick up. That if you consider that nothing you see from the time they walk into the house is necessarily fact, you can question every little thing. And depending on how smart the mirror is, every little thing could be completely fucked. I think, you know, the one of the earlier turns was the dad choking out the mom and then kind of succumbing to the mirror, like that brief moment of lucidity and then the mirror kind of taking hold seemingly entirely. Like every moment after that was mirror dad. Yeah. And I feel like this is another turn where fiance, a person in the present is now dead. And we're getting a turning point where the ramping up is no longer just little weird shit, but like it is now lethal. And my favorite part of right after she stabs him is she gets a phone call from the fiance. And that's when she's Mm -hmm. like answers it, has the same little conversation that they've been having every hour and then hangs up. So literally, we don't know if she fucking killed her fiance or not we're left completely and so they go outside tim's like look i'll call the cops he picks up his phone he calls the cops kaylee's like we have to fucking do something my fiance's dead you know blah 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 he's like look i've called the cops all we have to do is stay out here in the yard we'll wait for the cops at most if you reset the timer in 30 minutes that anchor's gonna drop it'll kill the mirror we're fine all we have to do is nothing Kaylee's not really sure if he called the cops or not takes his phone tries calling the cops again it's the mirror voice saying that Mm. the doctor will be there or you'll have to get your father to call back 
Yeah. So that's when she throws the phone on the ground and stomps on it. Not only that, but they see themselves inside just walking over to the mirror and standing in front of it as the anchor in the trajectory of the anchor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just posed and ready. <laughs> and then the brother says literally says something to the effect of it's just trying to draw us back inside the house. All we have to do is not go in. This is it's trying to trick us back in. That's not us. And you know, like you said, you can't trust anything in the movie at this point. Uh, honestly, I I do think at this point, we are completely inside the heads of our characters. Their actual physical bodies, I think, are standing in front of that mirror. They are just kind mm. of like the dad was, just kind of robot, dead-eyed, walking around, doing what the mirror is controlling them to do. Meanwhile, in their head, they are running around, basically reliving the last night in the house as children, in their own mm. head. Yeah, because this this is where we get shit like Kaylee freaks out and runs upstairs and slams the door to the bathroom and turns around to look at Tim. But it's no longer adult Tim. It's little young Tim standing beside her and shit like that. It is completely melded together past and present now. There is no tearing the two apart at all. Yeah, and, and here, like you said, because they're living, reliving that night, there's a point where the transitions back and forth are almost too fast and or just straight up blended to where you can't really separate it anymore. The dad is loading the gun in the past. The kids eventually get the golf clubs and try to smash the mirror only to kind of stand back and realize there's holes in the walls next to the mirror and the mirror is completely fine. There's a moment at some point where... The adult and the child versions are both in the in the bathroom with the mom. That's and the, the very beginning of that whole sequence. So it's mm -hmm. Kaylee sees dad loading the gun or one of them sees dad loading the gun. They go hide in Kaylee's bedroom. Look, he's got a gun. I'm freaked out. Kaylee says we have to smash the fucking mirror, but we can't go out there until he's gone. We got to wait for him to be gone. Dad goes down to the master bedroom. Kids take their chances, run downstairs, grab the clubs like you said, and start beating on the walls. I thought that was a great scene because another movie reference, and for once... It doesn't remind me of a better movie that I want to be watching right now. The shots of the kids with the fucking golf clubs, that was very, very... Fuck, uh, why do I always forget the name of The Shining? I always forget The Shining. <laughs> I don't know why. But it's very, like, Shining-esque with Jack hacking the door with the, with the axe. And, but this is two little kids with golf clubs just wailing on something just off screen and it turns out to be the wall meanwhile dad goes into the master bedroom and this is where we see mom chomping on fucking broken plates and he actually lets her off the leash so hmm. with, this was what i was trying to figure out here was like did the mirror just need that much time to break the mom down enough to gain co full control of her or what was the reasoning there because it almost felt like i think it's safe to say that the specific ghost that is haunting this family is marisol chavez uh, as i mentioned earlier and so she could seduce the father get mm -hmm. him involved without like actually harming him too much and stuff but then the mother she turns her into a crazy mess by giving her these body issues and then using the father to like tie her up and fucking do all this crazy shit to her 
there's some weird lines there too. You know, like like you're saying, is the mom under either full or partial control of the mirror? If so, why would it need to chain her up at all? Is it just purely not supernatural, um, or at least not directly? It's just she's having a mental break because of everything that's happening around her, and it's just that which I I lean towards. Can the mirror can only control fully one person at a time? But then we see the brother and sister rearranging the cameras at the same time but maybe yeah it depends on the control who knows what the actual rules are but he releases the mom the kids are downstairs i think in the den or something and i thought this moment there's two moments very similar to this that happen kind of back to back where the sister it's they're running down into the den the brother's kind of hiding he's trying to mouth something to her the sister doesn't understand turn around it's the mom again hands on the throat another strangulation throws her down gets on top the sister looks like she's not going to make it out and then the mom stops and there's like a moment of lucidity where it seems like her mom is back, not the mentally broken one, not mirror control, but like her mom is back and you can tell her mom feels awful about it, doesn't understand what's happening and then gunfire comes off dad standing behind he shoots her i think three times and the kids run yeah dad just murders the shit out of mom and i love that it, there was that moment of clarity because once again it's a very tough thing and you have to be dead inside to strangle the life out of someone while looking into their eyes that's a horrible horrible fucking traumatic thing the fact that it took that to really pull her back mm -hmm. out of it to almost kill her daughter with her bare fucking hands that's what it took to bring her out of it but daddy with a gun that's really fast and it's hard to take that back so right and i think that's when the kids are like we we have to just smash the mirror they attempt doing so it doesn't work dad comes in and he has the gun at this point and i can't remember he i think he i think he drops it because he tries to strangle kaylee the sister now he he points it at kaylee tim is kind of like backed into the corner still golf club in hand and as that's as right. dad's about to be pulling the trigger tim hits him in the arm and it knocks the gun out of his hand and so dad just says fuck it and that's when he's gonna strangle kaylee and eventually tim picks up the gun and he's just like let her go or i'm gonna fucking shoot you let her go let her go let her go and he lets her go very smartly dad takes a step to the side so that he's not standing in front of the mirror while tim is pointing the mm -hmm. gun at him and the mirror yeah he gets down on his knees he takes the gun in Tim's hand, points it at his at his head, and just puts his hand around Tim's hand with his thumb on the trigger, Tim's hand on the trigger covered by his father's thumb, and he just says, run, and then squeezes the trigger himself, but with Tim's hand. Uh, there's two things I wanted to talk about in the in that scene is one that what you just described we have another kind of it seemed to me you tell me if you didn't get this but i saw a moment of clarity lucidity in the father where he kind of semi understands what's going on is trying to get his kids out of it to kill get rid of him and have you know his kids have a chance by running away the other thing is at some point I think Kaylee is saying like, this isn't you, you know, this is the, this is the mirror. This isn't you that's doing this. And the father says something, I didn't quite catch it, but something about like the devil in the mirror and I am him or something like that. This isn't you. It is me. I've met my demons and they have many. I've seen, I've seen the devil. I need you. 
hears me. Ooh. Yes. Yes. So that supposedly clues us in that it is something just the straight up devil that's the root of this maybe at the heart yeah because the origins of the mirror are unknown the reason right. it's called the lasser glass is because the first known people to own it was the lasser family that's where it gets its name yeah so af after saying run and tim shoots him technically or not yet all the all of the ghosts of the lasser glass are now in the house like during this whole last scene you see a few more ghosts popping up and stuff and it looks to be the people that kaylee described in the beginning of the movie who all died horrible ways because of the mirror and so now all the ghosts are there they're kind of crowding in the children pushing them closer to the mirror and that's when an alarm goes off waking up tim who is just sitting in front mm. of the mirror back in present day office and one last thing before we move on to the next scene is when the father pulls the trigger on behalf of his son he gets knocked back falls into the mirror which causes that one hairline fracture that is on the yep. mirror which fantastic that once again like i said the kid is pointing the gun at his dad who's standing directly in front of the mirror so before he allows the kid to shoot him he steps to the side just to be sure that like the bullet doesn't go through him and into the mirror but him falling over still manages to hit the mirror and crack it like it's, it's just one of those things that even the mirror can't outsmart every circumstance so we're back in the present tim is kind of sitting under the mirror kind of gets up looks around doesn't see his sister looks at the dead switch timer which is getting close to triggering but hasn't yet meanwhile it's flashing kind of between him and kaylee so he's in mm. what is clearly the present day office with all the cameras and everything set up and then kaylee mm. is kind of in this weird mash between the present day one that doesn't have any cameras or anything but it's not the old past one with all the books and desk and everything either mm. but she's looking into basically just the blank office room with the mirror on the wall and sees her mom in it and her mom is just outstretched arms asking for a hug and kaylee walks over and gives her a big hug meanwhile tim her brother in present day goes over to the kill switch looks over the mirror empty room besides himself and cranks the dead switch to trigger at which point the anchor falls from the ceiling slamming into the mirror at which point reality strikes and he sees that his sister was standing in front of the mirror he didn't see it because of hallucination hits her in the back of the neck uh, right in her like c6 and <laughs> and the sound direction here is just fantastic because as soon as he's hitting that kill switch you're expecting to hear the anchor fall and just a bunch of breaking glass but instead you hear this like meaty bony crunch Oh, it's so bad. The I remember the first time I saw this movie and I heard, I didn't hear shattering glass and I just heard that anchor hitting meat. Oh, oh God. <laughs> what, what, what am I about to see? And then you just see poor Karen Gillan being suspended, pinned up head between mirror and anchor and you have to watch this horrible drawn out death of hers where she's bleeding from the mouth and can't like say or do anything until she just gives her last mm. breath so this goes right into the last kind of wrap up of the scene i think i remember 
You tell me if I'm wrong, the mirror having cracks on it after this. Did you see cracks behind her? I thought I did, but I could be wrong. I did not. Okay. This is not, not crucial to the remainder of this movie. No. Um, but as... No? Okay. But as Tim is kind of like crying, realizing what he did and what's happening, first I wanted to bring up the flashback to the very beginning when Tim is kind of having his final evaluation before the doctor or the psychologist signs off and say you can be released. He's talking about the dream. He's like, oh, in this dream, this is the first time it it was me that pulled the trigger. And the psychologist is like, oh, that's very good. You're taking responsibility. Here's a shine off. You're good to be released. And that ties back into what we talked at the beginning of the episode, this moment where this wasn't his dad pulling the trigger for him and he just had his finger on it. There was no one else. He cranked the dead switch himself. It was him. And he's crying over his sister. You start to see blue flashes, which are the police that are arriving. So the call did go through. If they did just wait outside, they they would have been okay. Mm -hmm. Unless, you know, your theory that the bodies were there and it was all in their heads and it doesn't matter anyway. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and basically the cops come in, they're taking picture of the bodies, they're dragging him off. The present day and then the boy version are both yelling as they're being dragged off. It, it wasn't my fault, it was the mirror, it was the mirror. As he's being dragged into the car, the kid's promising to destroy the mirror. The mirror. And as the, in present day, the cop, the cop car is driving away with him in the back of it. He looks into the house, sees his two parents there with the glowing ghost eyes, and then sees his sister join them with the glowing eyes as well and that's your movie and that's your movie Uh, i was just double checking as you were going through that the mirror is not broken by the anchor okay and this is confirmed even through they do a quick shot of one of the computer monitors of kaylee being suspended by the anchor pinned between it and the mirror so i think that's supposed to be confirmation that anything we do see through the video cameras in the movie i think that's supposed to be real i think i think the mirror hasn't yet learned how to affect video in my mind it could still fuck with their heads to the point that it changes what they see while watching the video but yeah i appreciate mike trying to put in a thing that delineates real life from what the mirror is showing them. I appreciate the try, but I think the mirror's powers are a little too great to be fooled by something like that. Yeah, yeah, and I... I'm fine with buying that that's the rule, that it can't actually affect lights or phone calls or video, but it can manipulate the whoever's watching that to the point where it doesn't matter if it can actually affect it physically or not. Exactly. Because it affects how you perceive it. Um, and also, like what you were saying, where throughout the movie, it can affect the perspective of our characters, which are kind of the lenses we're seeing through to where we can't really trust anything. I'm totally on board with that. This is a movie you've seen many times you love clearly you know what are your closing thoughts about this um and how it relates to this theme and what we're going to see throughout the rest of the month so i'm just going to go ahead and start out with my score here giving it an 8.5 out of 10 for a horror movie that doesn't have nudity that's damn near as high as you can get with me i took a point off for uh, no boobs 
because as hot as Karen Gillan is, it's a horror movie. We still need boobs. Come on. And then I took half a point off for the adult Tim's acting and child Tim's acting, honestly. <laughs> Everyone else I thought was perfect in this movie. I thought they did a really good job, but for some reason the actors, actors who played Tim... I, there were a few parts where I just didn't buy it. They just weren't as good as everyone else around them, so it kind of detracted from the movie for me. Even young Kaylee, I thought, did a really great job, but young Tim, not very good. Older Tim, okay, but could have been better. It's a fucking mind fuck of a movie, and it's shot super well and shot super interestingly. Switching between past and present so seamlessly and constantly and once again as we've mentioned just it going faster and faster as it does that until the point that they are so melded together you can't tell the difference anymore i love this movie it's fucking great everyone should go watch it a minimum of once it's a one of the few movies i own I, I do not own very many movies because streaming services and everything else, it's so easy to have access to so many movies and things at any given point. But I do own this one. I will probably continue watching it multiple times a year. Like, I, I've already seen it three times this year, I think. I love it. Mike Flanagan, keep making more shit. I'm ready for your new show to be coming out on Netflix. Let's do this. Whew. Klaus, what did you think? So, if this was a food dish i think as i've said many times before and will continue to say i don't like horror <laughs> in general i am a frightened little baby and i don't like it i don't like being scared and i don't like not being able to sleep but if there was someone who did like horror that hadn't seen this movie i might show it to them as a way to impress them and give them a false impression that i that i know about horror <laughs> As a food dish, it is a very, even though I don't like the core ingredients, it is made very well. The transitions are phenomenal, how they ramp it up from separate storylines to directly intertwined melding storylines is very, very good. Um, I think overall the acting is very well done, um, especially Karen Gillen, um, the dad, the mom. Um, I see your points about the, the Tims of both adult and child. It didn't bother me too much just because he seems like a, the character seems kind of like a numbed by all of this kind of character. But but I see your points. I like this movie as far as horror <laughs> goes. <laughs> uh, and I would definitely show it. And if you're looking for a scary movie, an actual horror movie to watch during Halloween or the month of Spooktober. I think this is a good one to go for. Please, everyone who watches this movie, go rate it on Amazon because I'm looking, or I'm sorry, no, on IMDb because IMDb has it as a 6.5 right now. That needs to be minimum 7.5. I cannot live with this movie sitting below a 7 on IMDb, all right? We we need that shit to change. I, and I understand, once again, I'm a whore for Mike Flanagan. I love his style. I, I did give it to him when we watched Hush, though. Come on. I, I took off a lot of points for something that was solely his fault. So... <laughs> don't don't act like I give him any better treatment than I should. But I love his style. I like his writing a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. even in this, the dialogue seems so natural until the mirror mm -hmm. starts affecting people to the point where it's 
so unnatural. I, I love it. Love it too much. I can't go on about it anymore because I've got to go get dinner at some point and we can't do this all day, unfortunately. So this movie is a horror surrounding a haunted item. It being a mirror in this case, some interesting things we'll kind of look out is the mirror, I would argue, doesn't kill anyone directly, but it does control people to kill each other, essentially. Unless it did eat the dogs. Unless it did consume the dogs somehow. But we're unsure. Fair we're point. Unsure. Or the plants. Or the plants. It killed the plant. Yeah, it did kill the plants directly. But I don't consider plants right. living things. They are just stuff for us to step on. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. Science might argue with, with that. But that's fine. <laughs> Fuck your science. Uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a post-science world, Klaus. I don't need it. The point, the point being, science is, is life. And that's kind of what this movie was. What do you think... What's coming up next, and what do you think we're going to see? Ooh, I love this next movie, too. I actually own it as well. I, I And I do have to say, while I don't own very many movies, since we've started doing the podcast, it's usually only like one or two more dollars to buy the movie than it is to rent it. So I have been buying a lot of the movies we do for the podcast. So I'm slowly expanding my library as we go. But uh, next week is one of my favorites. And as I said, we're trying to keep it fun here so this is a horror comedy known as cabin in the woods 2012 thor is in this yes he is <laughs> so next week is the cabin in the woods 2011 directed by drew goddard that's right folks we got we got thor chris Hemsworth running around this movie it starts out as your classic setup of hey we've got five college kids who are going to go out to a cabin in the woods and party for a weekend. Oh no, horror things happen. Ah! But if you've never seen this one, it's got some good weird aspects to it. I'll put it that way. And I guarantee you, if you haven't seen this movie and you start watching it, the first few minutes you're going to be like, this isn't the movie that I rented, or this isn't the movie I started. <laughs> it's okay, it is the movie. Just stick with the cold intro, alright? <laughs> stick through the cold intro, because this one actually does cold intros right. Just like Oculus, you gotta have a cold intro with meaning that tells you something especially if you aren't expecting it yeah i mean as far as tropes we're gonna see a lot of the same stuff but cabin in the woods is meant to take things that you know and turn them on their head you can kind of expect some anti-tropes thrown in with it well i am looking forward to it it is spooktober go get your oktoberfest brew crack open a cold one with the cold openings and live life life is good <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> hey, man, just, just get ready for the rest of Spooktober because we are getting wacky this month, all right? It's spooky and wacky. I, I did this movie. I did Oculus because I love it so much, and it's a very good movie. Rest of this month is fucking wacky, weird-ass horror. Get ready for that. And happy early Halloween. This has been Real Specific. I'm Jake. And I'm Klaus. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. I just want to remind everyone that we have a Twitter account, at RealSpecific, where I will post updates and any memes and things that we produce. 
And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please reach out to us at realspecificpod at gmail.com. Or drop by our anchor.fm page to leave us a voice message that can be added directly into the show. Thanks again, and enjoy.